Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this afternoon's first Secord Stories podcast, and today we'll be reviewing three different stories from the grade 4, 5, and 6s. Our first story is by Teddy from room 303. His story is somewhat based off the book Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, although he did put his own spin on it, which did make it unique with certain remnants of the original story. I went to bed on the right side of the bed and woke up on the wrong side. My mom called me from downstairs. You're going to be late. Fifteen minutes later, my mom called up. Come downstairs and eat breakfast now. Right outside my door, there was a booby trap that my sister have left there and I got soaked. I knew then that it was going to be the most dreadful, monstrous, disastrous, maddening school picture day. I had my pajamas on and I stepped into the bathroom and started brushing my teeth. I was 30 seconds in when my electric toothbrush exploded. There was a big flash of light and there was blue toothpaste all over my pajama pants and and in my eye. Ah, it burns like hot sauce. I was so furious. I want to dig a hole to China. I looked in the mirror and I realized that there was also toothpaste in my hair. I tried to fix my hair and that made it worse. When I went to the table to eat breakfast, I got jam stuck on my hair and milk spilled in my hair. When I went outside, I discovered that it was raining. Rain on picture day, I groaned. It's going to be the most dreadful, monstrous, disastrous, maddening school picture day. Outside my house, I met my best friend and we headed off to school. Halfway there, I tripped on a brick a construction worker had left behind on the sidewalk. As I fell to the sidewalk, I smacked a wasp. The wasp got angry with me and stung me on the eyelid. I could feel my eyelid drooping. My eye was as purple as a plum. It was a most dreadful, monstrous, disastrous, maddening school picture day. It finally stopped raining as I continued walking to school. Out of nowhere, a truck raced by and splashed me with greasy puddle water. Then a second truck flew by and splashed me again with more greasy puddle water and some oily puddle water. I felt like a wet dog. I want to dig a hole to China, I exclaimed. I tried to shrug it off and, and slipped and fell in a mud puddle. My clothes were ruined. My face was as red as a tomato. My ears were steaming. I was as mad as a bull. This is truly the most dreadful, monstrous, disastrous, maddening school picture day ever, I screamed. I want to dig a hole to China. I was talking to my best friend while running toward the school, but I did not realize the school front doors were closed. I went slam straight into the door. Ouch, my head. I had a large bump on my head and it burned like fire. I quickly and painfully got up so I would not be late for pictures. I could not 
I could tell it was going to be a most dreadful, monstrous, disastrous, maddening school picture day. I am going to dig a hole to China. At school, I, I was walking down the hallway to my class. Suddenly, I realized that everyone was laughing at me. I looked down, and I was wearing my dirty shirt, shoes, socks, pajamas. Pajamas? I was wearing pajamas at school. I quickly ran into the bathroom to change into my gym clothes. I took my dirty shirt and pajamas off and put on my clean shorts and shirt. Then I realized that my gym shirt had a giant iron stamp on it. My mom must have forgotten to turn off the iron and to make it even worse. It was on the front. Oh, today is going to be a most dreadful, monstrous, disastrous, maddening school picture day. Finally, my class was called to pictures. I lined up at the back of the line, and as I was two steps away from the stairs, I tripped on my loose shoelace and slammed down on hard concrete. I was feeling one thing. Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> That is when I started sliding down the stairs face first. Anytime I reached a new lower stair, my face slammed down on that stair, and I seemed to be going faster than my classmates. As for my classmates, I slammed into them painfully as well as knocking them down. After what seemed like infinite pain, I was lying at the bottom of the stairs with every single person on top of me. It felt like 1,000 pounds of weight was on me. I could tell it was going to be a most dreadful, monstrous, disastrous, maddening school picture day. Finally, it was time to take the picture, and I sneezed on the first take. On the second take, I wiped my nose right as they took the picture. On the last take, I sneezed again. I had to get one more photo. My whole family would see it. Otherwise, it would be the most dreadful, monstrous, disastrous, maddening school picture day. I want to dig a hole to China. I went to the gym and demanded um, a retake because I had sneezed in the picture. They let me take one retake, and just as the picture was taken, my gym shorts fell down. I was so embarrassed. I begged the cameraman to let me take one more retake, but he wouldn't let me. Then he left. I was so disappointed. Once the picture was printed, my mom would see it, and my whole family would see it too. I was going to be the laughing stock of the whole family at the next family gathering. I decided to just lay low after my family saw my picture so that I would not be laughed at. My day was so bad, now I actually was digging a hole to China. After one whole day, I finally got halfway to China, but something was banging on the other side of my hole. I thought I saw a pickaxe, but then it disappeared. Then a hippie crawled into my hole and slammed into me. Hey. Peace, dude. Are you going to China? I said yes, and then I asked him, Are you coming here from China? Dude, yes. It stinks in China, dude. Wait, so you had a bad day in China? 
dude that's why i'm that that's why i am coming here why are you coming to china i had a most dreadful monstrous disastrous maddening school day so so i came here so we both had a bad day so that just shows that even in china or here you can have bad days so let's just go back to our places now we we now know that sometimes we have bad days and there's nothing we can do about it. Our second story was written by Eli in Room 313. He definitely put a lot of work into it, but added a lot of comedy in too. The story also contained multiple levels of description, although overall, I'd say this is a pretty good story. Beefy was scared. Where was he? He suspected he was headed to the sausage plant where young Beef, like himself, went to get put into sausages. Hello? whispered Beefy, timidly. Shh! whispered a mysterious voice. Put this on. Beefy obeyed. As he wriggled into a black robe, he noticed the symbol of the Beefinati, a triangular piece of bacon with an eye in the center. Beefy immediately recognized the speaker as his uncle Ribeye. Uncle, what's going on? questioned Beefy, who had no clue why his uncle was standing in front of him wearing black robes with the symbol of an ancient society on them. Shh, it's not safe to speak here. Follow me, said Ribeye hurriedly. They entered the elevator that was disguised as a box of meat produce. It took them into a secret lair full of robed meat. We are the Beefinati, and we protect meat from the sausage plant, said a hooded ham. Who are you? asked Beefy. I am your father, said the familiar voice of Beefy's dear old dad. I thought you were dead, said Beefy. I am sorry, son, stammered Beefy's dad, Loin. All members, it's time, said a voice on the intercom. Time for what, dad? asked Beefy. Time to kick some butt. They rushed out of the bay doors. The plan to cause enough mayhem to distract the sausages while the Beefinati special forces rescue as many civilians as beefenly possible. Sounds fun? Well, it was. Until the Beefinati's mozzarella cannons ran out of ammo. Help! Help! screamed Beefy, who was pinned under a particularly large pork sausage. Almost as if in reply to his plea, a huge piece of cheese came hurtling towards the sausage on top of Beefy. The sausage, the sausage flew off, and Beefy seized the opportunity and ran. Beefy noticed that his savior was his ripped cousin Angus, holding a very threatening cheese minigun, wearing a camo bandana, and followed by his posse. They were saved, thought Beefy. Angus's men fanned out each one holding what looked like a cheese bazooka. Yes, they were definitely saved, thought Beefy with, with a grin. Beefy, it's time to go, yelled one of the soldiers, bringing Beefy back from his thoughts. Where's my dad, asked Beefy, struggling to be heard over the battle. Beefy, he, uh, um, he sacrificed himself to blow up the building. Beefy, he won't have time to escape, said the soldier sympathetically. No, Dad, no, I won't let you. No, Dad, cried Beefy. It's too late, Beefy. We've got to go, shouted the soldier, and Beefy had no choice but to comply. But Beefy insisted that at least that he at least watch the explosion that his dad died to create. 
but to his surprise, Beefy's dad limped out of the exploding building, only slightly cooked. Although his injuries were mild, Beefy's dad was still bed-bound for a month. We should fight in this war. Um, we should help, bellowed Beefy to a bunch of other meat kids who all nodded at this idea. Then what are we waiting for, bellowed Beefy again. Charge! They stormed the sausage factory. Suddenly, Beefy realized the flaw in his plan. They were kids. They didn't stand a chance. But it was too late. As hordes of sausages closed in around them, Angus Ribeye, Beefy's dad, and about a million other soldiers burst into the building. Cheese guns a-blazing. All there to save them. Beefy felt stupid. This was his fault. Beefy's heart lurched. He was leaning on the self-destruct button. If he moved, the whole building would explode. He tried to call for help, but he couldn't. He couldn't speak. He felt a thud on the back of his head, the same thud you feel when you get hit by a cheese bazooka. He raised a hand to the back of his head, and sure enough, he felt a slow trickle of meat juice down the back of his head. Beefy stumped to the floor. The last thing he saw was a huge explosion of fire and ground meat. For our last story, we have Henry from Room 304. His story was written last year, so we had lots of time to go edit and revise his work. He also added some comedy, too. The bell just rang. We were headed in for fun food. I was hungry, but just as I opened the door, the principal ran out of the building yelling, Fire! Fire! And the school was lit in flames. We all ran to R.A. Steen. While I was running to R.A. Steen, a piece of half-eaten pizza flew through the air and hit me in the head. It was better than nothing, so I ate it, and spit it out and realized there was a few spider legs on my pizza. Our teacher, the wonderful Stephanie, told us that all the pizza caught fire and the school burnt down. At R.A. Steen, Willis was having a fit. He was screaming and yelling. They tried giving him Mountain Dew, but that just made it worse and hectic. He started smashing windows. It turns out he was that mad because his dad let him get two chocolate milks this time and he did not get them. But I didn't think he'll be having fun food anytime soon because of the $700 fine to fix the windows. Seven months later, our school was rebuilt and it was fun food again. Willis was in the corner crying because he's not allowed to get fun food anymore. Meanwhile, Eli was dancing on top of a table, then Brock Lesnar broke down the door, ran off and RKO'd Eli off the table and to the floor because he thought he was Batman. Eli blacked out and Finley started screaming. Brock Lesnar made a getaway out the window, and this made Willis stop crying, thankfully. Then we realized he wasn't crying because he wasn't there. He took all the pizza and ran home and ate it all. Then Dylan tracked him down because he saw Willis eating the pizza in his window because he lives right across from school. And Dylan brought him back to school and he got suspended. The end, or is it? Part 2. Willis's Revenge Five months, three weeks, seven hours, and 43 minutes upon a time, Willis was sulking in his room and plotting for revenge. He wanted to get revenge on Dylan and the school for suspending him. He was planning to disconnect the school's plumbing so no one would be able to flush th their toilets. It was a brilliant plan, and it would proceed like so. Willis would sneak into the school and use his radioactive dandruff to blow up the pipes, and no one would be able to fix it. And then he would make a getaway on his tricycle. It would go perfectly with no flaws. So Willis sharpened his fingernails so he could scrape off extra dandruff and ran to school. Meanwhile, Finley was running to the bathroom, and he thought he smelled something delicious. 
Finley saw Will scratching his head and rubbing the water pipe. He asked Willis, and he asked Willis, Willis, is that really you? I haven't seen you in five months, three weeks, seven hours, and forty-three minutes. Yeah, it's nice to see you too, but not right now. I'm trying to scrape off my dandruff and put it on the pipe so no one can use the water to flush the toilet. Finley cut him off. But what if some ate, someone ate chimichangas for lunch and really has to go? Tough luck, said Willis. Instantly, Finley said, look over there, and grabbed a nearby vacuum cleaner and sucked up all the dandruff and reversed the vacuum to Willis's eyes. Willis screamed, my eyes, and fell to the floor. Finley darted off to the bathroom. Ten minutes later, the janitor scraped Willis off the floor into the, and into the garbage disposal. In the garbage dispo disposal, Willis made a friend named Stuart. They were about to play hide-and-go-seek and hopscotch, but... They did not. They were not able to because the piece of, a piece of dandruff, dandruff came into the garbage disposal and burned a hole on the floor, and it was making a hole. The hole just went deeper and deeper and deeper. They fell down the hole. The radio radioactive dandruff burned. The hole went so deep it went all the way to China. In China, they met King Janun. King Janun gave them these explosive monkeys that had radioactive particles on their fur that made them explosive. But it would not hurt the monkeys if they t exploded, and to activate them, you would pull their tails. So Will took the monkeys and jumped back in the hole and went back to school. Blew up, blew the school up with the monkeys, and no one had to learn ever again. And everyone loved Willis once again. The end. That was our last story. Thank you to everyone who participated in our first Secord Stories podcast. And stay tuned for more stories in the upcoming weeks.